Having our quarterly, our quarterly um, business meeting together where we just are accountable for one another and we're excited and passionate. And I'll tell you what, I'm just so praising God and so blessed beyond measure. I've been pastoring now for eight, nine, 18 years, I think, starting 19 in October. And I've been here 24 years since the day I was saved. I've been here at this church. And it has been a blessing. And um, I look at many of you, you know, you were here when I wasn't even saved. And I was just coming, hearing the gospel. I didn't know Jesus. I was just curious and not really interested, but curious. And God grabbed a hold of my heart. And I just praise God for that. But as you know, the last couple of years have been just fiercely difficult. To the point of, Lord, I'm going to give up. I can't do this. I'm not going to pastor ever again. I'm going to be a cook at Denny's. I actually, I actually had looked online. I found a nice place down in the hot sun where I could just be a, just a dishwasher. I think it was a dishwasher at Denny's. And I thought, good, I can wash dishes. And when I wash, they stay there. I could just do it and I'm done. And then I go home and I forget about, you know, I just, I just collect a paycheck or whatever. Melissa thought I was crazy. And, um, but I was almost beyond despair, discouragement. It was, I don't know. You know, you know you've been there. I'm sure. If you haven't, you'll be there. But um, we cried out to the Lord, and we were like, Lord, what will you have us do? What, will, what could we do? And, and the thing that I just kept going back to is, I'm his child, and he is my master. I, I, am, I, am his, I am his slave, and whatever he will have me do, that I will, I will do. And I mean, if he has me, whatever. And he has me, whatever, you know? Um, and, I'm, and I'm thankful for that. But last summer, we were going through the book of Philippians, and what struck me is God's goal for the church, it's unity. Look at what Psalm 137 says. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say 137? 133, I meant. Go to, sorry, go to Psalm 133. Sorry about that. Behold. Remember, this was last, last uh, summer. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There is such a greatness when we, when we have unity. And I brought up three things that we need to be unified around. Number one, there's always unity around a common cause, isn't there? Nine, remember 9-11 when uh, the buildings, the World Trade Centers collapsed? I mean, everybody stood out. Democrats, Republicans, we were united for a whole 24 hours. And we were united around a common cause, right? But for the believer, what's our common cause that we're united around? Jesus Christ. He is really a common Christ, our common Savior. And for that, we just unite around him. We are all his sons and daughters who believe in him, and we are his slaves. And so there's unity in that. And then the second thing, remember, there's unity to a community of believers. In the New Testament, we're working with the church, and there's got to be a unity in the community of believers, where we're fellow partners in the gospel of grace, and we're encouraging each other and strengthening each other, and we're steadfast. It's the two metaphors. Are we're an athletic, we're an athletic team, and we're we're going out against the enemy or the other groups, and we are working together, like Philippians chapter one says, verses twenty-seven through twenty-nine. The other metaphor is a military battle where we're fighting side by side. And we're protecting one another, and we're, we're not pulling rank, and we're not falling behind. We're, we're sticking together. So the whole idea of steadfastness, sticking together, you know, I am committed to the community of believers, which is why I'm still here. I'm, just, I'm committed to the body, and I love this body. I love this church. I love you. The third thing is we have to be committed to um, communication, open and transparent communication. And what I have seen happen is really in the last six to eight months, just tremendous things in the body. 
where we are really united around Jesus Christ and the gospel message, and we're committed to one another, and we're working alongside each other, and we're singing and having fun and enjoying ministry together. And there's also good communication, open and caring communication. So those are great blessings. Look at what it says here in Psalm 133. It is like this unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard. Oh, this sounds weird. The beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Well, that's very strange. Why would they be united around a man with a beard dripping of oil? Because who was Aaron? The high priest. And the oil is for what? The anointing, setting him in office. They have a high priest. We have a high priest. So we are united around and committed to Jesus Christ. And because we're committed to Jesus Christ, we're committed to one another in the church. Right? And it is a great blessing to be able to unite around our man, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in, God in human flesh. And it's like the dew of Hermon. Listen to this. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. I really believe when the church is united, God commands a blessing. He just absolutely says, I am going to bless them beyond measure. There's no getting around it. It's just, there's going to be a blessing. For God loves unity. What does Satan love? Division. He loves division. He loves chaos. He loves discord. He loves secret things and hidden things, and, and those are so painful, and they just hurt the whole body. So, boy, I'll tell you what, just I look at where we've been with Philippians, and then Zechariah. Remember how discouraged Zechariah was? Go to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4. Oh, Zechariah was discouraged. You know why? He really didn't have, maybe he didn't have just a ton of leadership qualities. Uh, he didn't have a lot of training leading a group of People, they had to come from Babylon. They, they had no infrastructure. They had no, they had no money, no resources. And they had an overwhelming task. What was their task? What was the task in the book of Zechariah? They had to build the temple. Why? Because who's not going to come back until the temple's built? Jesus. The Messiah is not going to come back. The Messiah, the, there has to be a temple. The Messiah is going to walk into a temple. I mean, this is prophecy after prophecy. So now they're excited. They're, they're going to go and they're going to build the temple. And they're going to watch it being built. And then, then what's their thought? As soon as it's built, who's showing up? The Messiah King is showing up, is what they thought. They didn't realize there was going to be a long gap and then a destruction or a renovation of that and all of this. And, you know, history goes on thousands of years. But, but remember the discouragement? Go to Zechariah chapter 4. Look with me at verse 6. So he answered. This is an angel talking to Zechariah in one of his eight, eight visions. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Now Zerubbabel feels like an apparent failure. Nothing has worked out. They laid the foundation, and everybody was so excited. They had like a huge praise celebration when the foundation was laid. But the older people in the congregation, they looked at the foundation and said, what? This stinks. This isn't as good as Solomon's. Solomon did way better. You guys, you're pathetic. Come on. I mean, 70 years ago, it was much nicer than this. So they had that kind of criticism. What did the younger people say? This is hard work, lifting stone and putting it in place. And, and so they gave up. They had opposition from without. They had discouragement from within. And for 16 years, the foundation of the temple just lies in ruins. 
The new foundation, now overgrown with vines and branches, and I'm sure some of the stones had already begun to fall down. There was just discouragement. So Zerubbabel's looking at it going, wow, I am tasked to lead this group of people to build this building, this temple, so God can dwell in it again. And, and we're not getting anywhere. I mean, can you imagine how overwhelmed he must have been? I bet he cried all the time. And then look what it says. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Listen, man's strength is not going to cause God's work to happen, and man's lack of resources and ability is not going to stop it either. It is not by human strength. It is not by human resources. It's not by our ingenuity. It's not by our thinking and our creative skills. It's not, that is not where success in ministry comes. It is not by might. It is not by power. Listen, we can work hard and have program after program and plan after plan. And you know what? It could all end up a big fat zero. Why? Because we need God's spirit to work. We want God to say, I'm going to do something in and through those people. They're unified. Their heart is for me. Their heart is for the lost. And, and now I can do something. And I'm going to do something great. So that's the word. Zerubbabel, it's not by your might, your strength, your resources. But it's by the Holy Spirit of God, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? You know what the great mountain is? All the obstacles Zerubbabel had to face. All the enemy from outside. The discouraged people of his own community. The people that said, give it up, Zerubbabel, go get a different job, be a dishwasher at Denny's or something. You know, I bet they said that to him. You know, they said that to Amos, the sheep reader, the tender of sycamore fruit. Do you remember that? One of the prophets went up to Amos and said, go home. Get out of here. We don't want to hear you anymore. You just drone on and on. We don't want you. We don't like you. Get out. So, um, so he's, but this, God says, I recognize you have huge obstacles. Who are you, O great mountain? See, God knows we have huge obstacles. Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, meaning what happens to those major obstacles? They're gone. And he shall, Zerubbabel, shall bring forth the capstone. Now what's the capstone? The, the final stone of the temple edifice. The capstone. The kind of like the keystone, the thing that kind of holds it all together. Zerubbabel... God says, Zerubbabel, you're going to pick up that stone and you're going to put it in place. And when you do, all of the nation is going to be around you watching. And what are they going to be shouting? Grace, grace to it. Why, why grace, grace? Because what is grace? It is God's love for us that is undeserved and unmerited. It is divine favor upon us, sinful, rebellious people. The whole reason it got done is not because they were so diligent and they tried so hard. And they the whole reason is because God just bestowed upon them his favor and they didn't even deserve it. But it was all of God. Isn't that awesome? Oh, it is so great. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Remember when I preached that? He started the project. Now it's going to be 20 years later, he finishes it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me, the Messiah, to you. Verse 10, for who has despised the day of small things? See, they mocked the possibility that God would even be involved in building this temple. A, a tiny people, no resources. See, the world thinks you, got, you have to have big bank accounts and lots of resources for anything to happen, right? 
God says, don't despise the little things. A little church like this on the corner, with their heart right to the Lord and with one another, God can pour out his blessing and so many lives can change. Really, so many lives can change. It's not the size of the ministry. It's the heart of the ministry. And then it says, for these seven rejoice to see. You know who the seven are. It's the fullness of God. God rejoices to look at little things like this. You know why? Little things like this church confound the world. They're baffled by it. But God loves it. He really does. Isn't that pretty neat? Now take your Bibles. Go with me to one more text quickly. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's tie in some Ephesians with this. Ephesians chapter 2. I was going to take you through some other things too, but just for the sake of time, let's do this. Ephesians chapter 2. You know, the temple runs throughout the whole Bible. I believe from Genesis to Revelation, there's a temple, a dwelling place of God. Heaven is a temple. And the New Jerusalem, I believe, is the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God will dwell permanently. But I want you to know the church is a temple of God. Look at what he says in verse 19. Ephesians 2.19, Now therefore, you, you Gentiles in Ephesus, are no longer strangers and foreigners. Ah, is that nice? But fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. See, they're all one. One body. Unity. We're, 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 we're united, right? I mean, there's a unity here. You know what? Ephesians 4 says this. We are to preserve and maintain and guard the unity that the Holy Spirit has produced. We don't manufacture it, and we don't manipulate it. I mean, we can't manufacture unity. It's something the Holy Spirit does in the church, but we have to guard it. We have to protect it. We have to preserve it. Right? He says this, um, verse 20. This church, the church having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. How important is that? If the church is a living temple of God and Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, how important is the temple? I would say very important. This is, this is mightily important. Verse 21, in whom the whole building, and I think as we get to this text in a, in a, many, in a couple of weeks, in whom the whole building, the universal church, being fitted together, see again, these whole aspects of unity, all the living stones of all the believers in all the nations of the world are the big church, the universal church, the, the um, large church, it says this, are, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So in a sense, the church is being built kind of like as a holy temple. And what's, what's the big about the temple? It's where God dwells, right? And I know God dwells in my body, 1 Corinthians 6, God in the person of the Holy Spirit dwells in my body. But here's what he says, verse 22. In whom you also are being built together. Who's the you also? Now he's not talking about everybody in the church, the universal church. He's talking about the local church, the local church in Ephesus. In whom you also, you little tiny local church, are being built together. See all the unity terms? For a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That is how important the local church is. It really is amazing. Isn't it great? It is great to be part of a body like this. Praise the Lord. So remember that we need to be you know, caring for one another, ministering to one another, watching out for one another, working together, 
reaching the lost, building this church up in discipleship, in spiritual growth, in grace and knowledge. It's, it is such a task. But I'll tell you what, I, I can honestly say grace, grace to everything that's been going on. Right, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time just to reflect on your word. And um, thank you now for even our short business meeting as a body of believers just to rejoice, looking back at the last three months and praising you for every little thing that has been going on. It is not by our human effort and strength and resources, which are, are small in comparison to what the world has. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for giving us a spirit of joy and peace and unity and, and passion for the gospel and for your word. So I pray, Father, that you would continue to do this wonderful, masterful work at Faith Baptist Church. We want to see many lives changed, many brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And Father, for those who are believers, we want to watch them grow healthy in strong, godly, good doctrine, and then following with lives that are patterned after the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, thank you so much for the ministry and for the family of believers that you brought here to faith. We love you, and we are so thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, great. So hopefully you get some encouragement just